0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Footy Social Club podcast. This is a weekly podcast, and if you've liked the content that we've put out so far, do consider liking and subscribing. Helps us out massively. Enjoy the show.
1: Never, 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 never take football for granted. Hey guys, welcome along to the Footy Social Club podcast. Um, great to have you with us. Another week of Premier League football has been and gone. Match week four. Um, not without controversy, which we'll be discussing during the show. Before we go into it, could I ask you guys to like, comment, share this podcast when it comes out. Also, over the last few weeks, we've been putting out a heap of new content. Um, we've got discussions on Burnley that's that's gone out today transfer news brighton you name it your clubs going in to be discussed this week we'll also be discussing the likes of tottenham sheffield united all of which will be appearing as a smaller pod on youtube so if you're not already subscribing hit that subscribe button and um don't forget to leave some comments before we we go into our main topics i will just quickly go through match week four's results um kicked off on friday night luton were able to uh play their first game at Kenilworth Road going down 2-1 to a, a very good West Ham side. Saturday lunchtime, Sheffield United and Everton drew 2-2 in the six pointer. Um I'd be interested to know from you guys who maybe came off better out of that one. Um Brentford drew at home 2-2 to Bournemouth. Burnley got smashed 5-2 at home by Angeball Spurs. Um Chelsea Not sure what's going on there. Lost 1-0 at home to Nottingham Forest. We'll discuss Forest a little bit further later. They made seven signings on deadline day. Steve's a big fan of um, Steve Cooper. Uh, City, the uh, City juggernaut continues. They smashed Fulham 5-1 at home. Brighton got back to winning ways, beating a very poor Newcastle 3-1. On Sunday, very steady Eddie. Consistent Palace won 3 2 at home to Wolves. Liverpool, as I said earlier, they beat Villa 3 0 at Anfield. Could that be Mo Salah's last game for Liverpool? And the weekend was rounded off with my team, Arsenal, beating Matt's team, Manchester United, 3 1. It took till injury time for that result to be confirmed. I was Mightily relieved at 3.30 in the morning watching that and trying to go to sleep for three hours afterwards was almost impossible. Um, There were 41 goals this weekend in the Premier League. So football is definitely on the up and and the players are getting used to the new season. Three players scored three hat-tricks as well. So Evan Ferguson for Brighton became the sixth youngest ever Premier League player to score a hat-trick. Erling Haaland, that train now does seem to have left the station, scoring a hat-trick against Fulham. And Gaz called for it in the last few pods. Son put through the middle, and bags a really nice hat-trick against Burnley. Um, So a very, very busy weekend of football. But before we talk about the games, guys, Matt, I'm going to come to you. I want to talk about Jadon Sancho. So for those that don't know, Eric Ten Hag sat in his press conference and was asked by the media why Jadon Sancho wasn't in the squad or the matchday squad when they had some under-18 players on the bench. Um, it was confirmed that he's not injured, but put down to how he's been training during the week. Now, you wouldn't say that the right-hand side of Manchester United's attacking three is by any means scary with Anthony. Um, Matt, have you not got a bit of an issue? A, now Jadon Sancho's come out and sort of said this, but also with the fact that if you look in that dressing room, the likes of Maguire, McTominay, Sancho that I've just mentioned, Martial, Eric Ten Hag doesn't really want any of those players. And they're big players.
0: Yeah, they are. They are big players. There's so much to this Jaden Sancho story that I don't think we know. A question I've been putting out on, on our socials over the last day or so is how does one of the best young players in the world when he was at Dortmund turn into what he is now? Is it, he hasn't peaked, clearly a player like that doesn't peak at that young age usually. Is it mismanagement from from a club like United that's had so many different philosophies over the last, 10, 11 years, however long it is now since Ferguson's left, that there's all these football philosophies that are imposed on the club, that the club itself doesn't have an identity, that they don't then know how to use a player like Sancho, who's got so much talent. He shouldn't be sitting on a bench over someone like Anthony. There's something else going on there, but it's got to be, it's got to eventually come down to Ten Hag, right? It has to come down to him. Ten Hag, brings in players that he likes and slowly gets rid of ones that he doesn't. That's completely understandable. I think he's throwing Sancho under the bus a little bit by coming out and making those comments. Yeah. But look, Sancho, I think um, Ben Foster on his pod mentioned that if this was under Ferguson, you know, Sancho would never play for United again. And I think he's absolutely right on that. Um, but look, there's going to be more to come out
1: on this. Sancho's not going to be at United come January, though. He might not be at United come next week if if someone from the Saudi comes and picks him up or something like that. Although I can't see Jadon Sancho going to the Saudi Arabian League. He might have to just sit tight for the next few months until the window reopens. Steve, how do you assess the Jadon Sancho tweet and Manchester United as a whole at the moment? Um,
2: I think the tweet is ill-advised. You can't be, you can't be coming out. In, I know that Eric Ten came out in public, and again, perhaps that was advised as well. Um, whether he was just trying to push the player on to actually come back, and almost like I'll show you. Um, I'm not sure, but I just think the tweet was 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 completely ill advised by the player. He he should have gone in and had it out with the manager. Old school wise, that's what would have happened. It would have all been kept inside the dressing room. Nobody would have ever have heard of all this. Um and it would have all been sort of brushed under the carpet as such. But it just can't be now. In the in the in the days we live in now, it cannot just be brushed under the carpet. The social media um is so big, it'll be big round it. There's gonna have to be an outcome, and the outcome will only be that in my opinion, Jaden Sancho leaves. I can't I can't yeah. see any other outcome to it. Do you think he's yeah. trying to force a move, Sancho? Possib- possibly. I do, I do think that if you look at Eric Ten Hag, um, people, he was lauded last year for finishing fourth, getting Man United to the FA Cup final and winning the League Cup. He finished fourth in what was a very, very poor league. I mean, no, Chelsea and Liverpool were both outside of the outside of the top four. What players has he actually developed? I mean, I'd ask that question, and Matt, perhaps you're the person to answer that. But he doesn't seem to be a manager who or a coach who develops players, and and people who do that, your Klopp's and your um, Guardiola's and and people like that who are very good at that, they get the best out of every player. I'm not convinced he is. I mean, Rashford's back on the form he was. Pre probably probably pre Oli almost, but other than that, there's not many players that have actually improved under him.
0: No, you're right, and I, I don't. I I wouldn't blame Rashford, and I don't think he will. But I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to leave United at the end of the season. If we have another what I would consider shit season, yes, we might get Champions League, but we should be champions. We have been in this absolutely horrendous transition period. It just, just seems to be going for, on forever and ever. United, for me, we don't know now who we are as a club. I think I said last week, teams now come to Old Trafford and they're not scared at all. They will go at us. That never used to be the way. We are a shadow of who we were as a club. And I'm I'm not entirely sure, and uh, Ten Hag's the the person to to bring us forward. I think you're right. He doesn't develop players. I don't know whether he's lost the dressing room or not. Gaz, what do you reckon about that?
3: i agree matt I, I think i think he's has, i think he has lost the dressing room uh, i don't think he's uh, he's the right guy there um he, you can't
1: he's come out and say that. as a manager he's underwhelming Yeah, you can't come out and say that to,
3: to to arguably you know he's a young lad bags of potential, but you know sometimes I think the box got stopped with the manager it's just not working there. I think you know Maguire has already come out you know not happy about him um obviously Sancho's been linked away. We we don't come on to Anthony's stuff, but, you know... Anthony's his player,
1: though, Gaz. Anthony's a player that played under him at Ajax. Onana played under him at Ajax. He's tried to put people around him or players around him that that he's familiar with. When you listen to um, Eric Ten Hag, and I appreciate there's a little bit of a language barrier there with him still. There's just... It's very monotone. It's very boring. It, It doesn't inspire you when you listen to other managers in the league talk about their team. And I can only imagine that if he's like that in the media, that is how he is on the training pitch. And, you know, for some players, you know, they do need an arm around the shoulder. Jaden Sancho was sent out to, was it Holland last year, to go and do three, four months of one-to-one training and coaching. You know, to me, it looks like Jane Sancho bit like a player like Raheem Sterling. He needs an arm round the shoulder. Maybe Ten Hag's done that in private, and this is a G-up to try and get a reaction. But, yeah, Matt, I I just... I'm not sure on Eric Ten Hag.
0: I think Ten Hag has done the arm round the shoulder because you don't send a player away for, you know, a few months in the middle of a season to, you know, help their mental health and all that sort of stuff. I think he's done that. I think you hit the nail on the head for a second there with the, the language barrier thing because... Ten Hag was asked directly, why is Sancho not in the squad? And if Ten Hag had simply said that, you know, other players have, have just trained better over the last couple of weeks, it's nothing more than that, Sancho will be back. There would, this would be a non-story. But because he, he essentially slated his training performance and didn't go into any more detail, all of a sudden, we all now speculate. And that's, that's what's driven this, really. To, and, and that's what's forced Sancho to come out and go, no, it's it's not that. So I think the language barrier is actually
1: a really good point. Uh, Sanchez talks just, about other other issues as well. Sorry, Steve. Sanchez talks about other no. issues that that he said he, he you know are for another day. So I'd love to know what those issues are. There is clearly a breakdown between the the two people, Gordon. Steve.
2: I just think that United from top to bottom are a hodgepodge of a club.
1: Hundred percent.
2: from from the from the owners down. From the fans are not engaged with the with the club and the team, and they don't run. They turn up every week and they give their their support. But there's always this underlying thing on the Glazers. Obviously, we've had some discussions about that on other on other videos and stuff. If you look at what they did in the transfer window, they 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 don't ever seem to have a plan. And they bought they bought Mason Mount. I don't get it. I, I I still don't get it. I hope he's going to be a great player for them, but because I like the lad, I think he's a I think he's a good, wholehearted lad. But he's just it just doesn't seem to fit with me. It's just they're just they're not they're not they. We we spoke about round pegs in in square holes and stuff, and that just sums United up. The ground yeah. I'm told is is completely fallen apart. I mean, I've been back. I've, I mean, I go back to my days of going to United to watch my side, Ipswich Town, when they were back in the... I know I'm talking about some years back, but there was an aura about the place. You know, these, these bigger clubs have an aura that actually when you walk in as a player must make you feel on the back foot. Clubs are not going... You've mentioned this, Matt. Clubs are not going there and thinking, oh, this is going to be a torrid time. No. You know, and and despite that, they had a good home record last year. It was their waveform, really that, that, that did did form and made it Happen really fit fourth because they couldn't beat any of the sides around them. But I just yeah. think they just they need a plan and every club needs to have we speak about the clubs that are very good at this and actually United don't seem to have a plan. I mean they've signed Johnny Evans in the transfer window and he yeah. ends up playing yeah. he ends up playing with Maguire on Sunday. In a centre half pair and that was at Leicester in 2017. Yeah. You know, yep. that's not progression. That's not what you should expect from the one of the biggest clubs in world football. It's ridiculous. Uh, United,
0: United don't, don't have don't, a leader. Don't, we don't have any leadership. Sorry, guys. We don't have any leaders at all on the pitch. You know, Bruno's our, our captain, but he's not a leader. He's a very creative know. player. But he's not a leader. And, you know, the closest I think we potentially have to a leader is Casemiro. But a massive language barrier there, which, you know, that that's going to hinder things. But other yeah. than that, we don't have leaders. And but I don't until think you've got, on, something on, like think you've that got sorted, on or off the
2: pitch. On or off the pitch, off the pitch there's no leaders. Not on or off 100%. the pitch, there's no leaders. The club is not led from the top down. And as I say, there's nobody in there making the right decisions and wanting to put the hand up and saying, this is my decision. This is the direction we're going as a club. It's almost throw a bit more money out in this transfer window, throw a bit more that out in that one. And it doesn't say it's just, it's just left you with a hotchpotch of players that, that are going nowhere. I see. Yeah. 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 I don't know if you remember I don't know if you remember um uh, when he first
3: come, uh, he did an interview there with Neville and uh Cara uh about it was when it was over it, the Ronaldo, wasn't it? The Ronaldo situation to try and sort of smooth smooth all that out. And I thought this guy's good, this guy's he's he's gonna be the right guy. And ever since then he's just pottered around, didn't really do a lot, and I think he's slowly losing the dressing room. I think I really do. I think he, could, he he could be uh he could be he could be gone by the end of the season, guys. I
1: don't like I don't his play. brand of football either. I don't like his brand of football. It's not a Manchester United way of playing no. football. Count like no. counter, you know, waiting for to try and absorb pressure from other teams and then hit them on the break. I know they've got yeah. some quick players, but Man United used to be like we'll dominate the ball, we'll have it, and you try and get it off of us. It's not like I, that anymore.
2: I think on I think over the weekend on on, on the BBC they were talking about. Where's their plan to score a goal? And you can't, you can't see it. You know, he's right. he's, he's throwing people. I mean, he's throwing people to the side. Maguire, McTominay. I cannot, for the life of me, understand why he doesn't get anywhere near the side. I know he's no well-beer, but. If you, where he plays for Scotland is further forward, which is where they've brought Mount. Scores like they, goals for Scotland. Scores goals, scores goals. But what, what's their plan to try and score a goal? Like you say, Man United were never a team to sit back and and, and only have a certain amount of possess, possession in a game. That was never going to be the case. They were always pushing the game on. Yeah. Always.
1: Yeah. No, I, I fully agree. We must move on. Um, there is one other thing I'd like to quickly talk about with Manchester United. And... I must stress, is allegations at this point. It's it's being widely reported in the media this morning that Brazilian winger Anthony, who's having a torrid time since he's moved to the club, um, the police in Brazil are ramping up their investigations over the alleged assaults on his previous partner. Brazil have removed him today from the national team in light of what's happened with. Mason Greenwood over the last 18 months and United finally finding him a place to go and play football out on loan at Getafe um, for the foreseeable future. It's really more of a PR nightmare for Manchester United, another player that's got allegations of domestic violence against them. Um, it will be very interesting to see what happens with that now that he's been removed from the Brazil squad, whether Manchester United will now feel they've also got to act and protect themselves because the, the spotlight will be somewhat on them given the Mason Greenwood um, situation that happened. So be interesting with that. Um, we'll keep everyone up to date with that across the Footy Social Club social media channels. Um, sticking up in the Northwest, before we went to air to record, it's being reported that Mohamed Salah and the Al Etihad bid is set to be increased to $218 for the Mm. 31-year-old. That's pounds as well, not not even dollars. Obviously, the transfer window closed at the end of last week. and, And for anyone that wants to understand which club maybe did the best in the transfer window we've got a couple of videos in our youtube channel do head over and have a look at those we, we rank each club but liverpool if they sell salah won't be able to do anything now until january my question to you gaz is if they accept the bid of 218 million which is a lot of money for, for salah do you think klopp have a say in this decision there's supposedly a boardroom meeting at ten thirty this morning to discuss this yeah. this bid will liverpool try and get another 30 40 million but do you think klopp will have a say in whether salah goes now or potentially in january
3: well i i think it's it's good 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 question actually um i think it's just a yeah we're going to take this money i mean 218 million jesus christ that's phenomenal and i think I think uh, Liverpool, uh, I, I think if I remember rightly, when they sold Mane, they sold Mane to basically pump up um, Salah's wages uh, because Salah's on a hell of a lot of money
1: at that £350,000 a week.
3: Yeah, and that's a lot for Liverpool. Uh, so that is a lot for Liverpool, and cause they don't normally pay the the major wages like City and um, and Chelsea and that too. So, um, but yeah, uh, so I think they're looking to get rid of that wage bill for sure. And two hundred twenty million, you can't turn that. Was he thirty one? Yeah, I I see I see him going. I see him going. Yeah, I can see him going. But I think Liverpool
1: will be fine. They got enough players. I think they could withstand it, to be honest. So I know you live there uh, and I know you wear no. your red glasses up there in Liverpool no. if you're not supporting Tottenham. I, I, I don't think Liverpool can afford to let him go. I know it would fund a, a rebuild. Mohamed Salah, while maybe slightly on the decline, is still an exceptional player. I think, Steve, there's a cultural thing with this as well. Obviously, Saudi Arabia being a Muslim um, country, Salah's legacy is protected at Liverpool for all that he's done and won for that club. I wonder whether him also being a Muslim could play a part in Salah, maybe wanting to take up an option to go and play in Saudi Arabia. Um, it would also grow him further as well. He's such a, you know, big brand already.
2: Could well, Yeah, it could possibly be. I mean, he's won everything at Liverpool, so he, he's got nothing yeah. nothing left to li- to to, to to be there for almost, other than the fact that he enjoys perhaps being in the city and being around being around the club perhaps, you know, with working with Klopp. Um I do agree, I think that that would make him even more an icon in um in, in that part of the world. Um yep. he's he, he I mean he's already an icon in Egypt, obviously where he uh, where he plays international football. You know, you know, you wouldn't go out. I shouldn't think you'd probably ten yards without seeing uh, a sat in Salah shirt or something you know, to do. with yeah, Banner, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, yeah. So probably be at the stage of his career. I mean, I was sure that he would rather it came in another year and a half, two years' time. Um, I'm sure Liverpool would maybe think they would be getting the wages off the off the the bill because of the fact that um, they, you know, they they pay him advanced a vast sum of money compared to what they do most of the other players in the team. So but it, I think for all round probably it works as a as a move that sort of money how can a club turn turn that sort of money down it's in, it's an incredible amount of
1: money. Yeah Matt, I mean I think for me if I was Jurgen Klopp and I've never been a football manager other than playing championship manager or a bit of career <laughs> mode on FIFA <laughs> um, and I and I'm good at that but I'm more like a Harry Redknapp than I am a, a Jurgen Klopp will and deal my way. Um I think Jurgen Klopp's got to sort of decide whether or not he can get Liverpool through fixtures till the window reopens again, work on some potential targets that might be able to come in and and replace him in January. I think FSG will want the money. We've mm-hmm. seen in the past of Liverpool that, you know, Coutinho was sold, it funded, Um, Alisson, Becker and Van Dijk and obviously Liverpool went on to win Champions Leagues and and Leagues. Matt, how do you think Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool will come to a decision about Salah? Right,
0: I'm going to just preface this with, I've been wrong on Harry Kane going to Bayern Munich. I never saw that happening. I was wrong. I thought Mbappe would have headed out to Saudi, so I was wrong on that one. Um, So, I, I, I don't think he will go until the end of the season. So so he's going 31 then. next week the money was... so so he's going... <laughs> exactly i i i'm i'm so tempted to do uh, a ryan's fence here and, and say both ways but i think if he if he goes liverpool are incredibly well compensated for it and they're compensated in insofar as if they don't make champions league they don't need that Champions League money for next season because, obviously, of how big this fee is. Um, I think Liverpool would actually be all right in the run-up to January mm-hmm. if, the, if, if mm-hmm. Salah goes. Um, no
1: Champions League football. So, you know, yeah. slightly easier this side of Christmas. But, obviously, there'll be some big fixtures. I think it also goes down to Liverpool's ambitions for the season. They're not going to win the league this year. Um, They're going to be in and around the top five. I think, as you made the point in our WhatsApp group. Even without Salah, they've probably got enough. I sort of said that Sobosai could move into that forward right-hand side position. You've got Gapko that could play there as well. So I think Salah will go because I think the money is too much to turn down for a 31-year-old but I don't think it will be 218 million. I have a funny feeling it will be closer to that 240, 250. If you think that money's no object for Saudi Arabia, um, Liverpool have done business with the the country, I'm going to say already, you know, in the likes of Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. So it seems to have been fairly smooth. The first bid for Salah was 150. They've come back at 220. most, Clubs, let alone countries, don't even do that. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's a a little bit more, and then it's green tick and thank you, Mohammed Salah. Good luck in in Saudi Arabia. You know, I think the reports there, Tim, is it's a three hundred grand a day contract. I mean, that dwarfs <laughs> Rodon, <laughs> Neymar, a, and again, I think strengthens the whole. It's a iconic Muslim player then playing in yeah. a in a Muslim league, and I think. The Saudis probably need him to help grow that that league. Do you think this is Salah's
0: decision or Liverpool or FSG's decision?
1: I think publicly Salah won't come out and say he wants to go. I don't think that, that Mohamed Salah is that way. I think it will come down to Liverpool and FSG or the owners making that decision. And I think that they ultimately will see how much money they can get out of the, you know, out of the Saudi Arabian stone, and then basically click go yeah i i I generally do and and the other thing is is with the saudi arabian transfers from what i've been researching is they are not in installments they are one-off payments
0: in a briefcase
1: you yeah literally in bags so you are talking about liverpool being injected with up to 250 million in in straight cash so you know for anyone there's a rebuild On there, And we know Liverpool do have money. They could have bought Caicedo if he didn't choose to go to Chelsea. So Liverpool got a little bit of money in the bank already. So they could have a war chest in excess of 300-odd million in the next few windows, which, unless you spend it like Chelsea, should, you know, skyrocket you up the league and make you compete again. Right, guys, results we've already put out there. So now let's let's have a little in-depth look at... um, each one of the results, there's no fixtures this week to discuss because it's international week. For those worrying that there's not going to be a podcast, don't worry. We'll still have a podcast next week, and, and we'll still be releasing Premier League content as well, um, all of that going out via YouTube other than the main pod. So do head over and, and check those out, and don't forget to leave a comment. And Gaz does love to respond to those and, and wind you up. Um, we'll start with the Friday night fixture, Luton and West Ham. We all talked about last week how important it was for Luton to get a result. They lost 2-1 to West Ham. There was VAR controversy. And Steve, I'll come to you first. How did you see Luton at home? I just don't see him getting many points as much as I want them to. They were unlucky. Maybe talk us through the, um, the VAR incident.
2: Yeah, I think they were. I think they were. Obviously, good to see them. It was good to see them on the home on their own ground. Obviously, to be able to get a home game game home game in. Um, the um, yeah, the VAR incident came right at the end of the game when they're not long equalised, um, and it was a come from a corner. Corner comes over. Um, James Ward Prowse is stood fairly much centrally in the box with a couple of Luton players sort of just coming in behind him. Um, his arm is obviously. I can't really understand what he was doing because his arm was not in a necessarily a natural position. Because if you're going to lever yourself up, you, it didn't didn't really look like he was levering himself up. He was almost on the floor when he did it. Um, but it was almost a chicken wing, like a yeah,
1: chicken he, wing yeah, up in the air, wasn't he's he's it? Le, his, left was arm, his
2: left arm, his left arm goes up, and literally the ball sort of comes over the top of play and hits him straight on the arm. Um, I've seen him. I've seen him given, and I've seen him given in recent this season. Times. Yeah,
1: you know, this yeah, season and last. Times. Mike <laughs> Oliver was the referee. Um, it was looked at by VAR. Am I correct in saying that?
2: It was. The- yeah, it was a very, it was a very, very quick check. It was one of VAR's. Yeah, we check. We, you know, we, we're doing a check. Check's over. There was no, there was no expansion on that. And I and and I know we want this with this VAR to not be interrupting the game, but it just felt it was over very very quickly. Gaz, what did you make of the incident? Did you think
1: it was a penalty? Uh, no, um, it was like I said, his
3: arm was up. It was up for sure. Um, I don't think he could do a lot of ballet, to be honest. Um, it reminds me of um, one uh, season back with Dyer at Tottenham, where the ball hit Dyer on sort of arm when he wasn't really looking. That's not lamb ball, guys. It's just not lamb ball. Um, I think everyone's, you know, all this natural position and all these type of things.
1: For me, it's just not an ball. I mean, the ball hits his arm. He doesn't, he doesn't put his arm out necessarily to it, but his arm. I mean, I appreciate when you jump in the air, your arms have got to go up to get elevation. Um, But for me, I think Luton are are probably hard done by if we're going by consistency. And I think that's a word that will get used when we discuss other VAR incidents um, from the weekend. Consistency should say that that's a penalty and, and, regardless of whether it's ball to ball to hand ball to arm his arm was up and the ball struck it in the penalty area in Europe that's a penalty in the Euros in the World Cup that was a penalty um and it feels the premier league sometimes that would play slightly different set of rules matt luton in general i mean now four four games in luton have played three having not played burnley at home worried for them really look like they're going to finish bottom of the league.
0: Yeah, massively, massively worried. It's, it's, it's a shame. I think, you know, Rob Edwards, his his game plan's all wrong. He seems like, in, against West Ham, I think they had about 16, 17 shots on target, which is great. You know, they're, they're going out to attack. But if I was Rob Edwards, I would have that 36, 38 points in mind. That's that threshold for keeping you up. And I would defend the shit out of every game and just maybe try and nick you know, a win here and there. But I would go for a point in every game as much as possible. Whereas he's not. He's attacking yeah. stuff still and it's it's not going to work.
1: Play the almost laying down low block like they do with the player lays behind the wall on a free kick. Yeah,
0: like,
2: but
1: why not? Why not do that in your
0: first season <laughs> in the Premier League? Stay in there, consolidate, you know, get some experience with the players and then go at it a little bit more next season.
2: I I say I did think West Ham were, were quite clever as they were. The week previously at, at Brighton as well, they knew that they knew that Luton would possibly blow themselves out from the fact that they were going to have a big start. The crowd were always going to be up um, under the lights, under the lights on a Friday night. Um, and I just think they they just waited until they blew themselves out. Really. I mean, the two goals that came were, 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 I mean, they were they were defendable. Let's be truthful. Uh, Bowen Jared, Jared Bowen's header at the, at the far post, although a good header, was was defendable, and the same with Zoomers header from the corner. Again, that was, that was, that was defendable. Um Not Although defended. obviously, you know, James, James Woolprow's again, putting on somebody's headed from a corner. I mean, when will teams, when will teams learn that that's something you're going to have to defend again? Um, it, was, it was, it was interesting that after, after Matt Janssen's, um Anderson had scored his goal, um, they, the crowd were up again, and that's when all the pressure, the late pressure, came, and it was really it got a bit um, sort of verberant in there as far as the crowd were really up again, and the players seemed to feed off the back of that again. And that, as we spoke before on the pod, that's what's going to get them their required points level. They've got they've got to be they've got to be doing enough in them home games to get the point. And I and I'm and I'm with Matt. I think that the thirty six thirty eight points should be the target. And it's how do you as a team get to those points.
3: There's no way they're going to get anywhere near 36 points, guys, or to stay up. Um, I don't think you'll
2: need 36 points to stay up
1: this year. I think there's enough. There's some real poor quality sides in there. Um, we probably don't give David Moyes enough credit, or, or, or the world of football doesn't. It's a really, you know, tough fixture. Luton were always going to be up for the game. You know, he's got them organised this season. We've said West Ham look far better this season than they did last in in the league. Yeah. And that's another very good result, albeit that I don't think Luton are going to get very many points at all. It was an absolute banana skin. And we could have been sitting here saying Luton snatched a 2-1 the other way or, or got a 2-2 draw. And, you know, maybe we wouldn't discuss Moyes, but, you know, once again, David Moyes has picked up another three points and West Ham sit pretty towards the top of the table going into that international break. Um, the next one was a Saturday lunchtime kickoff. Sheffield United at home to Everton. Gaz, you talked about Babetto, or they need Babetto, and they got Beto. Well, I'll tell you what, he looked like Babetto. He scored in the Carabao Cup in midweek, albeit against Doncaster or, or, or someone like that. But he looks like a right find. Uh, me and Steve were waxing lyrical about him and his link-up play with with Dan Juma there. Yep. Everton, you know, your neck of the woods. Who do you think got the better result, albeit a draw? Who comes out of that better? Is it now Everton getting off, you know, with a point and, and scoring some goals? I mean, Pickford, I know you guys call him T-Rex arms, but unbelievable <laughs> save by Jordan Pickford. Unbelievable. Matt, you said last week, Becca, yep. you won't see a better save this season, but Pickford, so was was amazing. But what do you think, Gaz? Do you think Everton come off better from that? Is it more two points dropped for Sheffield United seeing that they're at home? I think they're both yeah, I think they're both take were happy with the point just to get on the
3: scoreboard, uh for sure. Um but yeah, um Everton, I mean I spoke with a few Everton fans there, they they was expecting a win. I'm like, really? Um <laughs> and they they were saying about this uh, Beto or Babeto, who was gonna I was called him. Uh he looks brilliant. He looks a right player. Um Dan Juma scoring at the end there, uh coming in at, you know, in the back post. Uh, but, yeah, I think they've got two good players there. So, uh, and it's something they badly needed. Um, Mope's now gone because he is was useless. I can't believe... Um, Where's he gone? Brentford, Brentford or somewhere?
1: Yeah. People yeah. gone,
3: have gone, gone him to rubbish. Um, Christ knows why they brought him. Um, they must be needing a midfielder because he's not a striker. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think Everton may be starting to turn the books. Now they've got a couple of good players. He looks like a drogber, guys.
1: He looks like a real... Good on,
3: good on the ball.
4: good on the
1: ball. Steve, how, how did you see it? We've talked a lot this week in the various podcasts
2: that we've been recording. Is this the kickstart that Everton need for their season? I think it's a kickstart both clubs needed for, their, for the season. Um, I actually thought that Sheffield United were really quite impressive, albeit against an Everton side that have conceded quite a few goals. But I thought um, Ollie McBurney and, um, and Archer up front they looked. They looked like they'll give defences some problems. You know, Arlie McBurney does like to put himself about. He'll pick up the odd, probably yellow and, and even possibly red card. But at the end of the day, he does like to put himself about. Archer looks a looks a real player. Although he only scored one, obviously got the assist off the off the post that, that hit um, yeah. Pickford on the head to 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 go in. I did think Everton were, were, were impressive as well. And I've, and I've said this about they're creating a lot of chances. Their um, their link up play has been quite good, I think that's just taken Dice time to get the players in dan juma certainly is a is a big addition to the squad beto is as is, is what he allows them to do he allows them to get calvin um, lewin fit and that's the big thing for them he's not been allowed to get fit I said this on the on the transfer um, video that we did, he's 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 always been rushed back, and I know that Gaz is not the biggest lover of of Calvert Lewin, but I do think if you get him fit, there is something about him, and he can come in and 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 take the pressure off players when they are when they are struggling. There was a move in the game where. I think Beto receives the ball on the left-hand side of the area and does a little shimmy and goes past the player like he stood still. So, again, he's obviously got a bit of pace and power to him. And I just think he's exactly what Everett have been, have been looking for. Where the the fans
1: will fight? love him in yeah. the stadium. The that fans, completes. especially away from home, you will get him up. He was, there was a corner at one point um, and he was like arms up, like in the fans up. And the yeah. fans buy
2: into that. It's like hits the badge, yeah. the passion. Fans love yeah. that stuff. And particularly Everton fans. Everton fans have been looking for some. They they love a hero up there, and they always they worship they worship <laughs> they worship the heroes up there. And in yeah. the, the day, that's what they've been looking for. And I think he could be he could be there.
1: I mean, for me, like I look at Sheffield United. Um, again, talked about it in in one of our other podcasts on the transfer one. Cameron Archer, very you know very good debut, and will get the fans on side if if he puts in performances like that. It's a lot of pressure on a young player to score goals to keep Sheffield United in the league. I still have concerns that they don't have enough. I know, Steve, you rated their transfer business fairly highly, but I think they still needed another striker that maybe is going to guarantee them 10-12 goals. be very interesting to see. For me, it's a better point for Everton than it is for Sheffield United, purely because Everton needed to probably get something going and they're the away side so for me Everton probably it will leave the happier from Bramall Lane Um, next fixture Brentford Bournemouth Um, discussed a little bit about Brentford did a bit of business in in the final few days of the window I think they'll see this as more two points dropped Gaz what's your thoughts on how Bournemouth performed I think they're gonna be
3: there gonna be a handful for teams that go down there because it's um, a tight old ground and things like that. Um so I think Bournemouth are gonna shock a few people. Um that Semenyo, is it? Is it Semenyo up front? Yeah. Um, they they rate him really, really highly. Uh that Brooks looks good. I mean he scored, didn't he? He's uh just come back. Um he looks very good. And that Billing, I think that Billing's quite quite a good football player in midfield as well. So, no, I, I think, um, I, I mean, yeah, Brentford, you know, anytime anyone goes to Brentford and Brentford don't pick up three points, um, I think Brentford feel like they've
1: dropped one there. But Bournemouth, you know, watch his face. Cause I think Bournemouth can upset a few people. Yeah. S- Steve, obviously, it's a change in the way Bournemouth, I suppose, are looking to play this season, and, and that takes time to adjust it. As Gaz said, playing more on the front foot and more of a press, I suppose. You know, good point away from home against Brentford.
2: I thought it was a very good point. To be fair, At the end of the day, that's always going to be a, a tough place to go. Brentford never give up. I mean, obviously, which is which is obviously why they ended up scoring scoring um, late on. Um, I don't know whether you saw Bumers miss in the in the first first half. Um, yes. But he, he he really should have hit the target from from where he was, so that would have that would have put them two nil up, and that would have probably been game over. But they kept fighting away. So Langi got got a good goal. Um, they did some good business in the transfer window, as we as we discussed on the on the other pod. At the end of the day, they 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 signed Alex Scott from Bristol City, who was comes highly rated from a from a lot of the teams were looking at him at the time. What do you like, Steve? That Alex Scott?
3: Um, you, I mean, you you Ipswich boy, Ipswich fan? Um, yeah. I mean. They all r-
2: rave about him in that league don't they Yeah yeah because he he's 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 a he's a he's a real player he's going to be a real player over over the court, over uh, once he settles in I think it's going to take him probably a little bit of time to settle into the pace and 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 the speed of the of the Premier League as it does with a lot of players even who come from abroad same thing so um it's a it's a step up but yeah he's going to be a he's going to be a real player they've signed yeah. um obviously in the on, the on the last couple of days they signed um Sinistera from um, from Leeds um, and again, if you're talking about people who are who are going to be quick and 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 change that aspect of the game, he's 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 one who can do that. So I just think they've done they've done some really good business over the over the, over the transfer window. But they've gone quietly about it. They've spent they've spent 113 million pounds in the transfer window. So they've not been you know shy in coming forward when it comes to to the money they've spent. And I just think they're they're going to have probably a, a decent season probably going to finish mid-table probably but but yeah they'd be, I don't, can't see them being in too much trouble
1: yeah fair enough okay um Gaz I'm going to come straight to you you'll be so excited to talk about the continuation of Angeball um could have been a, a tricky fixture away to Burnley or, albeit that Burnley don't seem to have started the season very well and we've put some new content out about them today so so go check it out um richarlison was dropped that's probably where i'd like to start and son bagged a hat trick in his place happy overall my only other concern is it's still another two goals conceded yeah
3: uh delighted um you know son moving back in the middle where he belongs um you know, he was stuck out on the left there. You can't leave a person like him stuck out on the left. He has to be in the centre. He just does. That's where you wanted um, him, though,
1: wasn't it? On the left? You really wanted Sonny
3: on the no, left. No, <laughs> the boys will back me up. The boys will 100% back me up. You can look back at the pods. I said, he's too good. He's too wasted out there. I said, he needs to now come into the centre. As soon as we had went 5-1 went up, we sort of took the foot off the gas. 70 minutes to go, you know, 20 minutes to go. Uh, they just nicked one at the end. But, um, no, comfortable, comfortable victory in the end.
1: Matt, how did you see the game?
0: I, I do. I love that, Gaz. As soon as we went 5-1 up, we we took our foot off the gas. Do you expect them to carry on? Go and get a, two or three more.
3: The <laughs> 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 problem is the way average ball is so aggressive, it's it's hard to sort of just change everything. We almost, like, have to make – like, we made five subs. at five. Well, we made five subs. And literally, uh, it just slowed the whole game. It just, like, was like, right, we've won this game. Let's just block it all up. And yeah, it, it was a little bit kind of a bit like, oh, t- I was a little bit bored towards the end, really. And then, obviously, then they nicked one. I was like, oh. But um, overall, yeah, it was job done.
0: I think, though, you know, other than yourself, Spurs have defied all of our expectations. I think we all had them in kind of eighth Massively. Place, massively. Yeah, this season. Uh, so, Ange has come in and, and, has, and has turned them around. And I think it might be a bit of potentially a prophecy for for, for Liverpool as well. You know, Spurs losing Kane, actually pushed on, hasn't had an effect at all. If Salah leaves Liverpool, will, this, will a similar thing happen to them? Uh, Son was amazing. Richarlison, I know he's your favourite player in the world. Uh, he's terrible. He needs to, he needs to be sold. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna work at Spurs, and I
1: think he needs to go. Steve, how do you see Burnley? From I suppose the fixture, we know that they've had wholesale changes in in the squad. But is it now time for them to start to worry? Because everyone had them finishing higher up the table.
2: I I don't think. I don't think they should need to start to worry quite yet. They've played Man City, Aston Villa and Spurs. So I do think that if you gave them any if they were if they were across ten games and in between those games you were playing them teams, you would perhaps expect them to possibly lose those games. Um, albeit they've all been at home, which obviously is a is a is a slight concern, the fact that their home form is not not been great, but it's not the te- it's not the teams they're going to pick their points up against. They're going go against the Everton's and the Sheffield United's and the Lutons and the Bournemouth's and those sort of teams are the ones where they're going to pick their points up. I do think they're a little naive. I mean, we spoke on our on our pod we did about Burnie about the fact of do they need a bit of experience. And when you look at some of the goals, um, particularly the Madison one, there was they they were trying to play out from the back. Ball gets picked up on the on the high press. Just gets played inside to Madison, and he has got the the so much room in turf. More, I mean, he could have he could have set up a campfire and 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 seen Kumbaya in that space that he had in there. And at the end of the day, he then just walks in the corner like he does, you know. And and you can't do that as a promoter team. You've got to be solid and and company's still trying to play this expansive game. I know the Burnley fans, I'm sure, love it from the Dice days of, of you know almost Dogs of War type sort of play. Dross but, is the word. Well, at, at the end of the day, it kept them in the division, didn't it? It kept them in the division for, for, a lot, for a lot of years. The players they've bought, it looks to me like they're trying to, again, be a progressive club. They're trying to buy players at the right age that they can develop and then move on for lots of money. When they, when they get to that stage. But the trouble is you've got to get them to that stage in the first place. And I just think, like I say, it's not the games against your your Tottenham's and your Man City's and Villas that are going to be the critical ones to them. It's when they can't start to come up against teams who are in and around them, effectively. So, I mean, it, it's early days for them. The Lowell Foster up front looks like he might be a player. I mean, he got another goal at the weekend. Um, he's, that's, that's, I think that's two he's got now and for the season. Um they're, they're, they could do with getting Brownhill back in the middle of their midfield. I think he was, he was instrumental in their promotion from the Championship last year, and he just comes on a, as a sub occasion He got the second goal, but obviously all, by then, you know, too little, too late. Really, I just think the side they could just be, do with being a bit more, a bit more, not so naive, I suppose, for want of a better expression. Yep, yeah,
1: no, fair enough. So yeah, Spurs convincing winners and currently second in the league. So my uh, step... That really hurts.
2: uh, You can see see the pain on your face when you're saying that.
1: (laughs) I'm smiling, Steve. I don't know what you're on about.
2: Grinding my teeth.
1: (laughs) Forrest picked up a 1-0 win at Chelsea. Matt, does Pochettino know he's best 11? You know, are, are we expecting to see Chelsea in 12th? They seem to have made that position in the league their own. They're 12th again this season after, you know... A billion pounds being spent. Am I right about Potch being a myth? Um, how did you see it? Do we need to give Steve Cooper a little bit more credit, mate? Two parts. I don't there. think.
0: I don't think Poch is a myth. I think he spent a, a truckload of money, and it takes time for those players to bed in. Similar to you know, similar to Burnley, you're just talking about. They they've changed a, a hell of a lot of players in their squad, and it's going to take time for them to adapt. It will be the same for Chelsea. It's just the, the shame is the spotlight is more on Chelsea at this time, purely because of the money they had spent. Uh, it's going to take time. But you, I think you called him one of our earliest pods, that Pods would be the first manager to go and he'd
1: be gone by Christmas.
0: Now, look, if, if they keep getting results like they are, then you, you might actually be right, to be honest. He's lost two games.
1: Um, I was the only one that said Mbappe wasn't, um, wasn't going to go to Saudi Arabia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll be right. Um, Yeah, (laughs) look, it's it's not been a great start for Chelsea, but I I think things will improve over, you know, after the international break and and, and onwards. I think things will start to improve for them. I don't think, however, that they will get Champions League football this year, based on what I've seen so far.
1: No, I think we were all a little bit quick out of the blocks after they got a result against Liverpool, Um, Potts would probably like the international break to work on, you know, drills with these players, but I think 75 of them are currently on international duty. Um, there's two <laughs> Chelsea buses parked at Heathrow after the loss to, to Newcastle, uh, that's to a loss to uh, Forrest. Uh, Steve, you are a Steve Cooper fan and not because you share the same name. Um, <laughs> they were very good in parts that's- and they brought seven players in
2: on, on deadline day. Um, could they finish a little bit higher up the league this year? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They didn't even have a lot of possession. They had twenty four percent possession in the game. You know, they—I mean—they only literally had three shots on target during the game. They weren't—they weren't exactly um, in it. Stats <laughs> don't win games. And this is a, this is what we said before. Chelsea Chelsea had twenty one shots, but only two on target. So again, stats don't win games. The same thing. But no, I do think Steve Cooper's done a very good job there. He's, he seems to have. He, he was given loads and loads of jigsaw puzzles to do at the start of last season. He seems to he seemed to put them together. I was delighted for the Forest fans who travelled because that's their first Premier League win. I think since they've been back in the Premier League, or well, they've not had many. I think over the last over the course of time, they didn't they didn't do particularly well away last season. They they they, well, they stayed up basically on their home form. That was that was what it was. Um, they did do some. Real good business, I thought in the in the in the transfer window, and I think as so. Now the other video we did score them quite well, um, and a lot of those players didn't even start; they weren't even in and around the squad on on, on Saturday. They're another so, one they, that
1: need another bus. They've got yeah, a yeah, lot of yeah. players. I mean, I well. tell you who
2: is who is going to be a player, and and I think this this comes back to the fact of him not being developed right, and that's a Langer. You know, got yep. a good goal. Had a little. There was a, there was a piece there. We had a. Unbelievable bit of skill in the corner with a couple of Chelsea players, where he goes round them like they're like they're not there. And and again, under Steve Cooper, he will be developed as a player. This is this is what these managers and at that level they do and they improve players and they go on to other things and they get good money for them or they or they push their team up the league. That's exactly 100%. what they do. Yeah, and good yes, good on him for leaving
0: so- United as well because he he would have drowned at United and we probably would never have heard of him again.
2: Yeah, I don't know whether you saw the interview with him, but they did, he did say, I needed to get out and get football. And that's exactly what he's gone and done at, at Forest. And like you say, yeah. fair play to him, because it would been easy for him to have sat on the bench or sat in the squad and just taken the money, like a lot of these young yeah. lads do. He's not done yeah. that. He's gone to Forest and he's trying to make himself a player. And, and I say, like all credit to him for that.
1: I think Hudson-Odoi will reap the same benefits moving to Forest. Steve Cooper appears to be maybe a little bit tough on the outside, but certainly a manager that will get his arm around you and tell you exactly what he wants. It'll be very clear. Um, yeah. And I think you'll see a very different Hudson-Odoi, maybe not the one that was once sort of a £70 million player, but I think you'll see a very good hudson Adoy in the in the Premier League. Um, Gaz, I'm going to move on because we've still got a fair few fixtures to get through, you know, and the pod is zooming by. Yeah. the ci- The City juggernaut, was on at the weekend. Um, they smashed Fulham five one at home. You know, City at home, you expect them to score goals. Probably more important for City that Haaland felt like he got going. He was he was more involved. And City have slightly tweaked that formation. Alvarez and Haaland are playing very close together up front, linking up beautifully. And obviously Haaland bagged a hat trick. You know, does anyone really stop City this year?
3: No, I think City are going to win comfortably this year. Yeah, you're right. Uh, they seem to be playing Har- um, Alvarez a lot more, um, almost like a 10, but he seems to be very cl- playing quite close to him, stuck to him almost. Um, yeah. um, one, I'm definitely thinking about the old fancy football. Uh, <laughs> normally you'd leave him out because obviously Haaland would normally play up top by himself, but no, um, he's a good player, that Alvarez. Very good.
1: Yeah, no, they were solid. There was VAR controversy, Steve. Um, how was this given as a goal? So for those that haven't seen it or don't know, corner comes in, Man City corner. Ake heads the ball down towards goal. kanje, the centre half, is in the line of burnt Leno. And the ball sort of nest going towards the bottom corner. Akanje jumps over the travelling ball in the line of sight of Leno. I mean, Haaland in the press conference said he would have been annoyed if it had been given against them. Here we are another week, more VAR controversy. How was this given as a goal?
2: Yeah, I'm going to sound a bit like Marco Silvia like I did last week again, but what an absolute joke of a decision. And that's exactly what I wrote down about it. How can that even be looked at? and given a goal even if the on field referee Michael Oliver lost it or missed it how how can it how can it be that, that they look at it in var var was supposed to take away these these controversies and all it seems to be doing to me is is giving us more stuff to talk about it's great for us obviously for you know <laughs> when we when we've got a podcast to put together but yeah but, <laughs> but you know i do wonder sometimes, christian you're in that if you're in that var room making these decisions so we've got <laughs> constant. But at the end of the day, how can that even be considered to give a go to give a goal? It's absolutely ridiculous. It's it it should never ever stood. And and as I no. say, I think even the Man City fan Man City players on the pitch probably when they thought when they looked at it probably thought, this ain't gonna be given. And yet, you know, there it is, it is given and it stands. And that could have been I mean Man City they don't need a leg up. They're they they're a good enough side and a good enough squad without the need for, for, for VAR helping them on those sort of decisions. Because they would have probably still run over Fulham at, at some stage or other. And, and and a fair play to Fulham. They they, they went and give it a go. They you know they got it back to one one. Um that, that Man City, I don't know they had five shots on target. Scored five goals. Does that tell you something about a team as clinical? Clinical. And I still don't think they're in, they're still uh, 80%. Matt, you tipped Fulham at the start of the
1: season in our pre-season pods to struggle this year, which surprised me and and others as well. Do they really take much from this game or one they expect to to lose?
0: Yeah, I think for a, you know, unfortunately for a a team like Fulham, you don't really, you you expect to go and maybe hope to nick a point if you're going to play City. You don't expect to go and trounce them. Yeah, this, like when we do the the footy tipping each week, that's like an easy, easy City win every time. You don't even think about it, for me. Um, So I think, you know, Fulham are still going to struggle. I still think they are. Um, There's probably, as you said earlier in the pod though, there's there's teams that are worse, that, that are likely to go down. But, I think Fulham will hover around that 16-17 position this season.
1: Brighton, Newcastle. Um, Brighton back to winning ways. An excellent hat-trick from a young Irish forward in Evan Ferguson. Became the sixth youngest Premier League hat-trick scorer. I think that's the right way of saying it. Um, Put it out there, guys, as a comment. If you know who the youngest was, and it was a long, long time ago, he actually appears three times in the top six. Um, So let's see if people know who the youngest one was. Um, another player, Brighton, roll out that will probably be worth 100 million and, and the big clubs will be knocking at the door um, in next summer. Um, he was exceptional. But Brighton, I kind of expected to get back to winning ways. Matt, I was worried about Eddie Howe off the back of a few, poor performances last few weeks. And I watched this Newcastle game with a lot of interest because they've upgraded you know when you look at it on paper with the likes of Tonali coming in but I can tell you what when I watched the game they've stopped running mm. the the team's work ethic I don't know if it's the upgrade of players but the team's work ethic was awful nick pope you know I, I'll be careful on, on the criticisms there steve but nick pope boy, had a really terrible game and keepers do have bad games he was way off the ball. But, but Matt, Newcastle in the midfield just stopped and you can't do that against Brighton. Does Eddie Howe actually have a problem on his hands? I think
0: he's got a massive problem.
1: I mean, look, they, they started
0: the season 5-1 over Villa. I just wanted to say that result just for when Ryan listens back. Um, and then obviously <laughs> it's got, gone a little bit downhill from there. They've got a massive problem. They've got, the toughest Champions League group, the group of deaths coming up, they're going to struggle like a hell of a lot more than I expected them to struggle. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't understand what's changed since that first game because the team hasn't changed massively, has it?
1: Steve, um, Brighton, I suppose, got back to winning ways, as I said earlier, expected us to put in that type of performance following their loss at home to West Ham, which they weren't that bad of.
2: Newcastle, yeah, I'm just okay, disappointed. Well, I'm, I'm disappointed for, for Newcastle and Newcastle fans really, because end of day, on the back of on the off the back of what was an unbelievable season, they just seemed to be like you say, Christian, know, just seemed to they did not look almost look interested. They were they they were completely disinterested, disengaged yeah. almost as a yeah. part of. It. I mean, you're right about Pope. I mean, you can't make those sort of mistakes in the. I mean, any in any division really, but particularly in the Premier League. And expect to get to get away with that. Not not getting the ball far enough up the pitch and just giving it to, to, to one of the opposition players is always going to be problems, particularly against Brighton because they, they've got those those quick players up front who are always going to penalise you. I, just, I don't see me throwing themselves at stuff, and I wonder if this Champions League that's coming up, whether that's possibly playing on some of the players' mind because a lot of these players have never probably played in the in the Champions League. Not. Not obviously that, you know, when you go to Newcastle, that, that that's the, that's what you want to be doing. But actually, it's not always the expectation. And I wonder if perhaps that's in the back of some of their minds. Just a just subconscious, just a little bit. I don't want to get injured. I want to be playing in this Champions League. And I'm not going to possibly throw myself at stuff I was last season. If you looked at the game as it got later on, and I know they started to chase the game, there are defenders making challenges that they should never be making. They're throwing Sunday themselves League. at stuff they're never going to get. And it is Sunday League. And actually, Brighton could have been, ended up more comfortable winners. They could have, yep. up, could have ended up easily five or six. You know? yep. and day, I just think it's a shame for those, they, those new fastball fans will always follow the team up and down the country. They it's do, many, well, a, yeah, do many, many a mile. Yeah. And I just think that, like I say, Eddie Howe needs to turn that round quickly.
1: Really yeah, quickly. I agree. I think he's a manager under pressure uh, and that, that board will expect. I th- I just wonder with Newcastle whether or not teams have worked out how to get at them and some of that being press them give them no time because they seem to lack a few players that maybe are a little bit more comfortable on the ball. They've got a couple of home fixtures coming up post the the international break and I think those next few fixtures will be very important for Eddie Howe and Newcastle leading into that those Champions League fixtures. Um yep. That rounded off the Saturday games and took us into Sunday. Um, Palace do what Palace always do. Very steady at home. 3-2 victory. Scoreline probably says it a bit different. Roy Hodgson came out and said he wasn't very happy with the way that Palace played. Um, It is still early in the season. But another three points for the Eagles, Matt. Um, And Palace sitting nicely.
0: Yeah, 100%. You're right, yeah. I think Roy Roy came out and said actually that, that Wolves deserved points from that game. Uh, and he's and he's right. They did. They did deserve points. Gary O'Neill's got, got Wolves playing. And I, I you know, I, I think I tipped him to be the first manager to be sacked purely because of how the Wolves hierarchy worked. But I think he'll actually be all right. They're, they're going to kick on. Palace are going to sit where we expect them to sit in the Premier League, in that, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14 area. That's where they're going Solid. to be quite happily and and good for them as well. Absolutely, yeah. you know, great management. It's good to have, you know, um, Hodgson there for another season as well. So, yeah, yeah. fair play to them.
1: They, they had a, a, a good window in Palace terms. for transfer was about 50 million spent, but, the, you know, they kept Elise, got him down to a new contract. They kept Eze, they kept Gahey at the back, they kept Mitchell. So I think overall Palace actually did better keeping the players, you know, on board, rather than trying to trying to rebuild. Gaz Wolves, Gary O'Neill, obviously, it's really only been in the club about a month. I think Wolves will be all right, mate, don't you? I mean, as long as they take some of their chances, because he's definitely getting a tune out of those players.
3: I, I, I don't. I disagree. Um, I think uh, Wolves uh, they're going to struggle. I can't see Wolves no, they're gonna, going. They're
1: going to struggle, but I mean, have they got enough to stay up?
3: No, I think they're going down. I still think they're going to go down. Um, I don't think they're going to get anything away from home. Um, Molyneux is a tough place to go, and I I could see them grinding out results there. They've always been quite defensively solid, um, um, but when they go away, I, I just I just don't think I just don't think they're going to pick up many points away.
2: Steve Palace, they're they're a team nobody really talks about as being in the in the European places or in the relegation battle. They just they just get it. They just every season they get it done. And they lost. They lost Sahar, and Eza has just stepped up to be the man. He, he is he is he's now. He's now their talisman. At the end of the day, even for a young lad, he's their He's their, their, their talisman. Edward got um, got a couple of goals. I mean, they had. I mean, I know Hodgson said they didn't play too well. They had sixteen shots, eleven on target. So they must be doing yeah. something. They must be doing something right for to, a Roy Hodgson have... team. That's exceptional. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is because he was always known for 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 the two banks of four. Effectively, he was yeah. the way he was was the way. But I think pa- I think Palace will have a have a decent season. They'll probably, as I say, and I think I said this before, they'll probably finish t- anywhere between between sort of tenth and 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 twelfth or tenth and 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 fifteenth. But they won't ever be in trouble. They'll never they'll never be, be in that in that position where they're going to be in trouble. And they're impre- they're an impressive club because again yeah. they didn't spend big money in the transfer window you know yep. they've brought in the right players that they're they're an example to other teams whereby you could you could they they buy the players they need for they did they bought they've brought Dean henderson in in the transfer window um and obviously they bought in rob holding another bit yep. of experience to go in alongside the players they've already got there yep. they won't they won't be in any trouble they won't be in any trouble Wolves, yep. Wolves are still they're still a work in progress probably for gary o'neill he's trying to find his best line up and notice that he's made several changes to the to the starting lineup he's had players coming in and out in the first few games it's going to happen because he didn't have no he didn't have a pre-season yeah so and we must not forget that yeah effectively they've been in a pre-season since the start of the season um again they're creating chances they had 57% possession yeah at Wyatt, Wyatt palace that again is not a team that's going to go going to go down They'll be close. I'm not suggesting that Gaz is not right with the fact they're going to be there and thereabouts. But they'll they'll do enough for me, Wolves. They'll do enough.
1: Yeah. um, On Palace, it wouldn't surprise me if we get to January and they're doing well and Hodgson signs another one-year deal. The guy doesn't look anywhere near like he wants to retire. And sticking with Palace and for our followers and and listeners, um, we have an interview coming up with... Um, Dean Kiley, who's the current first team goalkeeper coach and also uh, goalkeeper coach for the Republic of Ireland as well. That'll be going out on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Um, that'll be out in the next few weeks. We'll, we'll advertise it once we've recorded it. Really excited to be doing that. And thanks to Dean for coming on to do that with us. So, yeah, very, very excited about that. Um, Liverpool Villa. Now, I mentioned earlier there's some big time differences. We are a global uh, fan network for the Premier League. Um, Ryan is in Hawaii on his honeymoon and pre recorded for me um, his thoughts on just how well Aston Villa did at Anfield. Um, Obviously, they lost 3 0 and were fairly woeful. Before we um, listen to what Ryan's got to say, um, Villa have been a bit hit and missed so far this season Gaz you do love Villa as well they're another club you sort of do like to watch um, a bit open at the back aren't they really I think that Pau Torres
3: he had a bit of a mare I, I understand he had a bit of a mare uh, I had to watch a bit of the game
1: he's had a mare we in a couple can... of games and, and he is a player that Emery knows well. Was touted with you a know. lot of big clubs, Gaz. Yeah, he does. He looks off the pace. That's for sure. Um,
3: I think Emery probably will get a tune out of him eventually, though. Um, yes, you know he, he knows him so well. Um, but like I said, I, you know Villa needs to. I think they need to go back to that
1: really high line. And uh, Stephen, Matt, before I come to you, let's just have a quick listen to what
4: Ryan's got to say. I start with Villa first. So I thought. We were poor. We stood off the ball far too much, which is not the game we typically play. We, we normally press on him, but we didn't. Midfields, almost non-existent defensively. All over the shot. Um, Donald Martinez coming back, he would have made a bit of a difference, but you know, Torres, a couple of mistakes and a couple of games. Carlos going off injured as well, isn't going to do us any favors moving forward. Hopefully that's not long-term. But... Creditwear studio at Liverpool. They look good. They they pressed us extremely well. We every time we had the ball at the back of thought, we were capable of making a mistake. Their midfield overran us and yeah, a couple of really good results for them back to back now. They look like they looked to the Liverpool of Liverpool evolves and so maybe that midfield they've got with, with energy and younger players will help them. Uh, but yeah, looking at it from a villa point of view. Really disappointing. I'm glad it's the international break now, to be honest, to give a few more weeks training, the new guys understanding how Emery wants them to play. Yeah, hope you enjoyed it, and Marlow, Thanks, Ryan. Right. Um, looks like you're enjoying your holiday
1: in Hawaii. Um, for those who do like to hear his opinions, he is back on the show next week, and that will make us a, a famous five, no doubt. Um, Steve, I mean, should we really expect Villa to be getting anything from Anfield? It's Notoriously a tough place to go. Um, once that crowd gets on your back, it's it's very very difficult. And, and Liverpool seem to be gelling quite well,
2: considering there's been a few changes. I, I think they're gelling very well, and actually they're building. They're, they're built they're, again. They've had to try and build a midfield in within the season. I just think that that's a game that should Villa be should should Villa be winning now. I don't necessarily think they should. If you look at la if you if you take last season out of the equation and and the fact Liverpool were a little bit below levels and probably Villa were a little bit above levels. I think that's a game that if Villa were to go and get a draw, they would have probably bitten your hand off for it. And they'd probably have done that this season. Uh, I did think it was quite interesting because it's almost like Emery's a very, very astute manager. And the the week before against Burnley, he'd moved Matty Cash into more of an advanced role. Klopp seemed to negate that this week by moving Trent Alexander Arnold into more of a he almost started he almost ended up playing as a centre half quarterback. Um, yes. and that's that's where a lot of the that's where a lot of the trouble was, was coming from because the villa midfielders then almost didn't know whether the, to to whether they were coming or going. And Trent just picked them off. I mean he he was responsible for for certainly a couple of the goals coming about, particularly the one that um that goes in off Matty Cash in the end, in fairness, as a known goal. But he was almost like that defence, say a quarterback, just sprying passes. And perhaps that's a position, again, they're still looking for Trent's best position, but he was really, really good, I thought, on Sunday. The
1: vice-captaincy role seems to have made Trent a better person or a better player um, this season. Um, Matty Cash scored again this week after scoring a few against Burnley, but unfortunately an yeah. own goal. And once you're chasing at Anfield, it's very difficult. Matt, how did you see... The game overall.
0: Yeah, look, I think Liverpool were just on phenomenal form, and you had uh, Sobersly, you know, with his with his goal as well. He's he's a phenomenal midfielder. Potentially, he's going to be, I think, in in top five transfers of of the the kind of summer transfer window, and I think he's going to be an absolute stable for for Liverpool for the next five years. Um, absolutely tremendous. And yeah, you, you talk about Trent there. You know, people get on his back, but. It's, it's about finding his position, and he again was awesome. I think he was man of the match as well, wasn't he? Um yeah. For that yeah. game, so yeah, absolutely tremendous. Villa weren't great. I think the the result will be different. You know, when when Villa are at home later on in the season, they tend to play a lot better at home than they do away. So yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those. Emery fully admitted that that Villa didn't play well at all. Um, so it's the result kind of weird what I expected anyway
1: yep no fair enough Um, that takes us to the final game of the weekend and it took a while for the game to get going I felt uh, Arsenal beat Manchester United 3-1 I'll give my opinion very quickly being that I'm the resident gooner Um, it was great to see Ben White back at right back and Gabriel in at centre-half. And I felt some of that aggressive combativeness Arsenal have missed and that was certainly back there with Gabriel there. He is a bit of a warrior of of, of a centre-half. And losing Shaka, Arsenal need a little bit of that nastiness back in the team. I still don't know if Arsenal have got enough. They still don't look right going forward we've only dropped two points we could easily be sitting here on the same points as city we're not the worry is that we left it very late to beat what is i perceive as a poor manchester united side and yes it's a hard game both clubs always up it um i'm very pleased to get the results um and arsenal must kick on from here we've got other tough games to come in the next few weeks that may well define what our season looks like. I, I really do believe that. And I had a big rant last week about it. Matt, as the Manchester United fan, you know, Rashford smashes in a, a, a great goal. You probably weren't expecting Odegaard to equalise in less than two minutes and somewhat the naivety of Manchester United at the moment.
0: No, to be honest, I wasn't expecting Rashford to score. At all. <laughs> Completely
1: against the run play. Put him the on the he scores, mate. Put him on the lefty scores against Arsenal. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean,
0: I think the, the, the big thing to come out of that, that match for me, because there's so many negatives, and we've, I've, I've already kind of bashed United enough uh, in, this, in this podcast. Uh, Hoyland made his debut, albeit very brief, but I genuinely thought there were signs there with him. You know, he's come back off, a, off a, quite a major back injury, but the way, the way he was kind of shaping his runs, his strength, his pace, the way he was getting into position... I think once he's had a couple of games, he's actually going to be a hell of a lot better player than a lot of people are giving him credit for. You know, when they talk about the nine goals that he's scored in his career and stuff, he's only 20, 21, he's, he's young. I thought he actually looked really good. Um, and yeah, look, I, I'll leave it to, to Steve and Gaz to go into the negatives on United. I, I can't <laughs> I can't keep talking about it. And we, we're shocking. I expected the result to be similar to what it was. I think I said that in the last pod. I wasn't looking forward to, to watching the game. Uh, it, whether it was offside or not, the Gan- Ganacho goal, I don't know. I think Gabriel, the way he kind of stood on his toes, stopped, I think that was very clever defending. So yeah, prob- probably just offside. Yeah.
1: It, it probably leads me to say that with that type of VAR controversy, that they've given it as offside. I think Gonacho's shoulder was offside. I mean, you don't score with your shoulder, but it, the shoulder was offside. It kind of calls for needing cameras that are on rails running down the side of the pitch in line with a, the last defender to truly know because we don't see the right angle either. We've seen it from behind. You know, Eric Ten Haag said it should have been a goal, Matt. On another day when they ping a line that's five mil wide, it quite possibly could have been given as a goal. I don't think anyone trusts VAR whatsoever but it was ruled out offside and that was scored very late you know and i i was thinking oh god you know this is everything that i didn't want to have to put up with but you know five six minutes later rice rice baby comes up with a great one matt matt just before i go to the boys concerned about anana at all
0: no i i think anana is performing exactly how i expected him to perform i still think he's going to be a net benefit as a as a keeper um, you know, it's been discussed as well before. He's not an upgrade on De Gea. It would seem
1: we might have been just a different type of keeping Henderson. Oh yeah, or, I, I don't think Henderson. I don't think Henderson's a Man United keeper either. I, I, I think Onana. If Ten Hag plays the right brand of football, will be good. That doesn't seem to be quite right at the moment. He was a bit unlucky with with Rice's goal, but hey, as an Arsenal fan, I'll take it, Steve. Um, we were texting during the game because I was nervous, and you seemed to have, you know, a game that was three minutes ahead of me. Uh, once it gets to <laughs> Australia, um, I know backwards and forwards you were saying you felt Arsenal were overall the, the better side. How do you see both teams going over the next sort of few weeks after what you saw in that game?
2: I think Arsenal need to get back to what they what they were last season, and actually for, I mean, it's 35 seconds it was after they that United had scored, that Arsenal scored, and that was probably the best bit of football they've played this season, and it was back yeah. to being literally fast, incisive passes. Ruthless. Uh, yeah, and they opened it up for Odegaard, and, and hey, presto, he scores. I I just wonder if some of the changes, I mean, it's going to take Rice a little bit of time to settle, and, and we've had the discussion about Havertz. I mean, how Havertz missed that chance. in the the first half is, I mean, it's unbelievable for a player at that standard to, to have a swinger of a left foot. When Do you see what Arteta
1: likened his start to his Arsenal career?
2: like? (laughs) Something to do with trying to woo his missus at the time. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. I mean, it's got to come to a point where they, where, where, where do they carry on playing anymore? Because they've got Vieira, they've got Trossard in the round, you know, end of the day, he can't keep picking a plan. He he had this at Chelsea where they kept picking him despite his performances almost. Um, yeah. And I just think that, like I say, they need to get back to that. And they've got two new two new players in that midfield. They've got Rice and Havertz, Havertz. Havertz. And I just think that in some respects they need to go back to what what they were what they were good at last season. I think Rice is Rice is plenty good enough, and Rice has actually been as as an upgrade on Jacker, and, yeah. and he will will end up being an upgrade on Jacker. I just think yeah. that they're just. They're not quite where they were last season, and perhaps again that will come as the season goes on. They've had a few, they've had a few tougher games. They've had a few tougher games to start the season, you know. at home and stuff is always going to be going to be a tough game. So, but that yeah. first thirty minutes, where well, you could, have, you might, you, you could have fallen asleep during it. It was, it was all. Yeah.
1: Other than um, obviously the very quick response, the one other positive moment, and Saka didn't finish it was. There was a move in the second half. It went down the right. I talked about it. Ben White, Ben White, Ben White. Down the right-hand side, across the box, Saka and Onana. Onana keeps it out. But that was Arsenal of last season, and it was ruthless. And there are not many teams that can play against us when we play like that. It was such good, silky, sexy football. Um, and, And I hope when Arteta has the next sort of week or so to watch back the game, he does realise that he's got to keep Ben White in that position. Ben White looked a better player as well. Gaz, look, I know um, that you're a Spurs fan, so you're anti-Arsenal anyway. But here on the pod, we like to be impartial, and I always do my best with Tottenham as well. How did you see the game?
3: I think Arsenal are just missing a trick at the moment. They just seem to be, I don't know what it is, if it's bedding, in or... Is it, you know, the, the amazing Kai Havertz or whatever? Uh, Formation you know, change
1: you know, is the issue, I think.
3: I think. Of, yeah, you know what I think of him. You know, I don't rate him at all. I, I think you need to go back to, well, obviously, what you doing last year.
1: There was some VAR controversy. Um, Eric Ten Hag spoke about it in his press conference. Um, we've already talked about Garnaccio. Um, I would like to quickly talk about the word consistency. So Arsenal and Kai Havertz thought they'd won a penalty when Havertz was softly taken down in the box. And Steve, I would love to take you back to the pod last week. You called me out on the Rashford penalty against Nottingham Forest and said, I think it was Chris and Gaz. If that was either of your teams, you would have wanted a penalty. And um, I've, I've got the WhatsApp messages where I said that the Havertz one wasn't a penalty, and I generally don't believe it was. You know, it wasn't tripped, it was a coming together. What the hell do we do with trying to be like this? If this happens in the penalty box in any game, this is a penalty, and if this doesn't happen in the penalty box, it's not a penalty because there was almost no difference, Steve, between the Rashford one last week and the Havertz one this week. It was a coming together,
2: but one was given and one wasn't. I thought there was quite a lot of difference myself. I thought that habits was almost already going over before he was, and he actually he, he actually implemented the touch. I mean, it was only it was a. I mean, it was very. I mean, that, if that would have been given, that was a very very soft one. Whereby the rash the one the week before, although still a little soft, there was certainly more contact with the two knees. Oh, that, no, no doubt, no doubt. Hey,
1: Steve. The Specsavers have got a sale on the glasses, <laughs> mate.
2: Get yourself down there after the podcast because they are, are th- almost th- identical. Are thick enough. These are all these are already thick thick enough. I mean, I thought habits almost just run between the two defenders and went over. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was that wasn't a penalty. That was never, that was never ever going to be a penalty. One on, on, on review in real time. In fairness, I did actually think. When I saw it, when I saw, when I saw it from and all um, all taylor, t- yeah. a- Andy Taylor's position, I thought, "Yeah, he's got that dead right." Yeah, then like you, you see it again. his back heel, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, and then you see it again, and you think, "Well, no, no, no chance, no chance." So, um, Matt, there was calls for Hoyland to get a penalty at the other
1: end by Eric Ten Hag in a tussle with Gabriel, with the scores at one-one, um, and and you talked about Hoyland's strength, and I think United have got to get players around him if he's going to hold the ball like that. For you was was there a penalty there, or was that just solid defending from Gabrielle? I mean, I, I,
0: I, again, I've I've seen them given for less. I don't think it was a penalty. For me, I think and <laughs> you hear me out on this, and this this might be terrible, but I think the rules should be changed. And I know we're not for massive rule changes, but I think a penalty should only be given if a player is taken down in the six yard box, not in the area just in the six-yard box. If they're taken down in the area, I think it should be a, a, a free kick where you can have a wall in front of it and everything like that. I think that would stop a lot of the diving because how often do you see a player taken down in the six-yard
1: box? Very
0: rarely, right?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Steve, Steve, in regards to Gabriel and Evans that led to the Rice Rice baby goal...
2: Uh, does Eric Ten Hag have a point that it was a foul on Johnny Evans? I think I think he does. When you watch it back, I mean, I'm going to sound more and more like a like Matt, like Man United fan, but actually, no. <laughs> um, I just thought I, I couldn't believe that there was nobody came out to Rice to attack the ball because it because it seemed like an age that he'd got time to to, to almost take a touch and hit it. Um, and then you look look at it back, and and Gabriel has definitely definitely got hold of him. There's no two ways about he's got got hold of him. Is that a foul anywhere on the anywhere else on the pitch? I think it probably is, but for some reason Gabriel they, did well because
1: he fell over
2: after it, the ball got made, over his almost, head, made, almost making it look like Johnny Evans had fouled, had fouled him. But like I say, yeah, you would expect you would have expected at least one of the United players to come and close Rice down, and there wasn't anywhere near anybody who stood near him. So he obviously right. had the freedom of freedom of the Emirates. So. Yep.
1: right, guys. Um, massively long pod talking about. <laughs> All of the results from last week. Um, Steve's dog's in once again for a little chat. <laughs> Loves it.
2: <laughs> as, as, as um, not my, my dog's not here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as always, thank you very much for all of your opinion. Um, there are no fixtures this weekend. It's international break. We'll still have a pod. Um, yet to be determined what we'll talk about, but we'll still have a pod for the listeners. Um, as I said at the top of the show, we've got plenty of other content out on YouTube. Do head over. Um, like, comment and subscribe to what you, uh, to what you see there and um, see you guys soon.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do consider clicking that like button. And if you're feeling really generous and you don't want to miss any of our future content, maybe hit subscribe as well. See you on the next one.